High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, classic 1980s high school bullies, creepy younger brothers, oh, and an extra special shout out to all you guys, girls, and all the genders in between, this is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, we have some summer school homework to chat about. School is still in session. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Did you listen to last week's episode? Well, I should first ask you, did you watch Spider-Man Far From Home? And then, did you listen to last week's episode? As always, had a blast with the wonderful Mike Manzi, the incredible foodie films man himself, Kyle Reintreid. And hope you did too, and if you haven't gotten to see it yet, so you skipped that episode, don't forget about it. Don't you forget about me. Wow, I'm in a musical mood today. (laughs) You know, I got those Good Friday vibes going. Who doesn't? Anywho, check out Spider-Man Far From Home, it was an awesome film, and me and the boys talk about it. We have some good conversations. Don't forget we exist. Don't forget that it's there for when you actually do see the film in the archives. And remember, you can listen to this podcast where you're listening right now, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, all High School Slumber Party episodes, along with a ton of other great shows, are found at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So your other assignment, no, not to get John Cusack to unblock us, remember that's a lost cause, but was for you to tell a friend about High School Slumber Party. Did you do it? Did you mention us to a friend? Well, if you didn't, I'll give you another week, and probably weeks you know, as long as I'm alive doing this show, but I'll give you another week, because that's the best way you can spread the love and the magic of High School Slumber Party, by telling an old friend there. Also, another good way to help support the show is by giving us a five-star rating, leaving us a wonderful, wonderful review somewhere, type it out nicely, and I'd really, really appreciate that. And, you know, these are the ways, these are the ways you could grassroot support the show. So this week, your other, other, other homework assignment was to watch a a 1980s classic? I don't know if this is a classic, but, I mean, 
I enjoyed it. It's a very fun movie. It's a very interesting movie. Maybe it's dated, but you know what? In the same ways as it's dated, it's more topical than ever. The film is just one of the guys. And our guest is a returning guest. You might remember her from our episode on Peggy Sue Got Married, or maybe from her awesome articles on Pajiba. That is the wonderful, 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 that's my word of the day, but wonderful Kate Hudson. And I can't wait to do a deep dive into just one of the guys, because this is an interesting film. Whoa, 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 the bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Never forget that. But, you know, I'm just going to dismiss you right now because I'm in that kind of Friday mood. You know, I see you looking at the door. I saw you staring at that clock. I see you thinking think about what kind of jammies you're going to wear. So pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's. Because we're about to get our party on. Let's take it away with Shalimar's. Oh, is there anything more 1980s than Shalimar? <laughs> but Shalimar's Just One of the Guys, a song from this movie. Class dismissed. Hudson, welcome back. I'm not going to do the you. whole uh, other Kate Hudson's thing today, guys. If you want to hear that, <laughs> listen to our previous Kate Hudson episode. But welcome back. I'm so glad to have you on. It feels like a continuation because, well, I'll just come out and say it right away. When I first contacted you, you know, I- I'd read your stuff. I definitely wanted you to be on this this podcast. And again, it's one of my favorite stories from doing this podcast. You either asked me or I asked you, like, hey, what movie would you want to be on? And I think you said, like, oh, let me think about it. And no joke, 30 seconds later, you said, like, these two movies that, you know, for the first one, Peggy Sue Got Married, which Love that one. we had a lot of fun talking about, and this one, Just One of the Guys. So even that day, I said, whatever it is, this, this was at the very least a two-movie deal for you. So. <laughs> Do you know what's funny is I, like... Peggy Sue Got Married is one of my favorites. Just one of the guys. I don't know why I went there. Like, it's, it's like, it's not a movie I watch a lot. I'm happy you did. Because, but, right? I mean, I, I was going to ask. I'm like, is this on your Peggy Sue Got Married level? I'm curious. No. 
No, honestly, I, I, I was trying to remember the first time I saw this this movie, and I think I was like, like seriously, about like sixteen or seventeen. Like this is. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like I went there, but I went there. Well, then I'm glad we did. Peggy Sue got married first. Yeah, me too. Like, <laughs> I, I, I honestly had this moment today. It's like, well, am I gonna, am I gonna try to bullshit this and like? say oh no it's one of my favorite movies or should i just be honest <laughs> honesty is the best policy oh here. absolutely absolutely <laughs> but I mean, that said i like it it's a good movie honestly it exceeded my expectations as well so i, I can't wait to get into it <laughs> um of course kate you, your stuff is on pajiba and you know you've been killing it lately <laughs> thank you <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of the one that went up today because it made no sense oh wait, what one went up today oh i wrote about jojo siwa do you know who she is yes because um so in new york i work in the upper west side and it's near this theater called the beacon theater and i saw i'm like who is this person that sold this out and then i was looking um at the other local venues, like a couple of them, including like Prudential Center, I believe, like which is a full arena, and Forest Hill Stadium, which is an awesome place. And whoever this person was, I, I know she has a big bow, but she sold out everything. I'm like, what, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I just feel like I woke up one day and like I went into a different timeline where JoJo Siwa is eternal. Like you wake up and like all of a sudden it's JoJo Siwa everywhere. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know what happened. You know what I said to a friend about her? I was like, seeing this JoJo Siwa craze is one of the first times I felt old. Like an adult. <laughs> you know, like, oh, what is this all about? Back in my day, this wasn't the music. Or I, I, She's a musician, right? Or uh, She's like, she's in everything. She's a jack of all trades. I think she's like a like an elite YouTuber at the end of the day is the best way to describe her. Really? Huh. Yeah, dude. Like she's got music videos and I, I swear to God, they have like 700 million views. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> dude, that's why I feel like a lot of people just cross, like we cross time streams or timelines. Like there's a Jojo Siwa universe and we're living in it. And like all the adults just like got into this universe one day. <laughs> the only way. It's the only, it's the only explanation. Because I, I don't know how she sells out like three or four venues in the New York area. And I had never heard of her. That was the big deal. Well, who are these 700 million people watching <laughs> your music videos? Like, Is come she, on. Like, okay, I, I saw a picture and now I'm like looking at your article. She's like a little girl. No, no. she's <laughs> Dude, she's like 16 or 17. Oh, okay. But so, little girls love her. Gotcha. She kind of dresses like like a little girl fantasy. She looked like in this picture that's uh, posted to your article, it looks like a Lisa Frank trapper keeper. A, a thousand percent. That's what she is. <laughs> and if you go watch her like YouTube videos, which I do occasionally, cause I, I don't know why, but I do. She's like, she seriously speaks in a language you will not understand. Really? Like, she's hey everyone, it's Jojo. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. You guys today, I am here at Target and I'm about to go see if they have my brand new collection, Jojo's Closet 2.0. Last year, Jojo's Closet 1.0, well actually I guess it was just Jojo's Closet, but last year, Jojo's Closet, my very first Target collection came out into stores and you guys loved it so much that we decided to create Jojo's Closet 2.0. So today, I'm gonna go inside, I'm gonna go see if they have it, I'm gonna go see if they have other Jojo merch and I'm going to buy every single item of Jojo merch that I can find. It's a challenge. She just speaks so quickly and so fast and so high-pitched. It's like, holy shit. It's amazing. Color me intrigued with a hot pink marker because I am curious now. After this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to check this out. 
Please do. <laughs> one of the articles that got, or your, I would say a couple articles that I shared with a bunch of people were um, your Game of Thrones Night King articles. <laughs> those, those were... <laughs> It was a hot talk at the office. We'll put it that way. I mean, but I would. So <laughs> a lot of, like, I would. I'm going to go on record once more saying I would totally bone the Night King, and I have no qualms. He's hot, dude. He's hot. <laughs> and like, that hasn't changed? No. No. They did him dirty, but they did everyone on that show dirty, so I can't get too mad. <laughs> All good. Yeah, that was that was something that crossed over into my actual life like in terms okay. of discussing that <laughs> series of articles with people and if they agreed or disagreed and uh, you know so so thank you thank you for between episodes still filling my <laughs> oh. world with interesting conversation and joy okay but before we move on i have to ask did anyone agree there were there were some people who did agree there were some people who did agree maybe not <laughs> to that my- level but the most interesting thing is that no one was like ew gross you know right it got people talking and thinking yeah, once you go there, once you allow yourself to go there, you're like, yeah, okay, I could I could get with this in a certain light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all good, all good. So, guys, you know, we'll probably uh, talk about it at the end again, but check out Kate's work on Pajiba because it is fun, to say, <laughs> to say the least. It's like a fever dream half the time. <laughs> Thank you. Just one of the guys, though. This is a mm-hmm. movie that I feel like everyone knows but not too many people have seen believe it or not like that's the pulse i get i think a certain group of people have seen but i don't think any jojo siwa fans (laughs) or whatever her name is have definitely seen well they're also little kids and there's nudity in this film so i guess that wouldn't happen but theoretically i don't think they'll ever see this movie you know this isn't one of those that carried over as much which i don't know why because like i said i enjoyed it um, I, I was definitely familiar with it, but this was this was the first time I'd seen it consciously, like from beginning to end. I think I like, caught it from time to time on TV. Oh, I'm sure you did. It was on Comedy Central once a week for like ten years. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, like, it's one of those movies that was just always on. So I don't know. I, I think it's one of those movies that you probably just remember that one scene, yes. and then you like. Holy shit, I've actually seen this movie. So we're going to jog people's memories, I think. What stuck with me from my like first watches was definitely uh, Terry's voice mm. as man Terry or whatever. <laughs> that was something I remembered. But I couldn't like rebuild this movie front to back. Honestly, I don't even know if I could do it now. But <laughs> but definitely not uh, I, well, before I watched I'm a little... it. I'll be honest. I'll admit to the world. I'm a little hungover today, so I watched it again. So I've watched it like twice in 48 hours. <laughs> and I don't. I, I agree. I, I, pro- I still probably couldn't totally recreate it, but it's, it's all good. It's rewatchable. It's actually rewatchable. Yes. So, you know, there's a few movies that you can just rewatch like right after you end it. Like this is one of them. This could play on loop, and that's probably why Comedy Central did that. <laughs> right. Yeah, once once we hit the mid nineties and they they had Soul Man in their like group oh, again, God. they were probably like, "Yikes, let's get this one off." And then they put just one of the guys on. This is in the fa- like okay, Soul Man is obviously egregious, but this is certainly Ugh. in the family of Soul Man in terms of just oh like, yeah, like simple oh, gimmick. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Ha ha. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like that. You know, I, I, I'm saying a lot about myself. I had another hangover day, like a few <laughs> weeks ago on my couch. And it was, de- oh, what's that John Cryer one? I think it's called Hiding Out, where he's like 
30 years old, but then he goes back oh, to high school yeah. to escape the mob. Oh, yeah, that's on my list, too. I think it is called Hiding Out. Like, that's another one that I haven't seen the full, or maybe I have, I don't know, but I just don't remember. Yeah, Hiding Out. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it was, like, a whole thing, like, in, like, the mid-80s, <laughs> like, grown-ass people. I guess this one isn't technically part of that, but it's based, Deceit in School. Yes, Let's Deceit in that. High School, you're right, which is ridiculous. Right? <laughs> oh man so if you guys out there are not familiar with just one of the guys even from the title you can probably guess the plot but i do this every week <laughs> i read the back of the vhs or the back of the dvd and kate this one is really really long which i don't know why because like i said not too hard to figure out but here goes <clears throat> she's 18 She's great-looking, and now Terry Griffin is about to set off an epidemic of comic hysteria. Wow, word choice. When she enrolls in a new high school as just one of the guys. Terry blames sexism when journalism teacher, a journalism teacher refuses to enter her article in a competition to win a summer internship at a local newspaper. With help from her kid brother, Buddy, she masquerades as a guy at a rival school and enters the contest there. During her charade... Terry the boy, and it's in quotes, Terry the boy, <laughs> tangles with a vicious bully and fends off amorous classmates. But when she falls for a handsome loner... Jesus, this is the entire movie! <laughs> I know! Wait, I'm not done. It when, is! When she falls for a handsome loner, our hero slash heroine <laughs> must find a way to convince him that she's not just one of the guys. Okay, they literally just gave away the entire movie, except for the last ten minutes. And they did not have to in this kind of movie. It's no! not one of those like titles where you're like, oh, that's why it's called Fargo, you know? Like, like <laughs> this is just one of the guys. And it's, uh, and it has a very iconic poster or VHS cover. It's like yeah. her in the locker room holding like two footballs, you know? So. Like, it's uh, no, it's two uh, uh, helmets. It's oh, two, two helmets. helmets! Yeah, it's two helmets. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you something, and it ties together to that um, poster. Is you can tell a man fucking wrote that synopsis. <laughs> like, well, okay, I I don't want to steal your thunder here, but Jeff Franklin of Full House fame takes full credit for this script. Yeah, and th- did you see the controversy with that? Yes, and I, I yeah, I, I, I figured you wanted to bring it up, but it ties in kind of directly to what we're saying here. It's like, in this movie, there's very clearly parts that were written by a, like a moronic guy who finds sex funny and his penis fascinating. <laughs> and then there's like better parts of the movie that are more nuanced and layered. So it's, it's really funny to have that horrible synopsis written clearly by like a coke-addled like bro. <laughs> and then like juxtapose it with the actual movie that was directed by a woman that if you peel back like two layers it's almost nuance oh absolutely and that's what's so interesting so just to clarify lisa gottlieb the director she has said that she wrote the entire thing with a partner jeff franklin has claimed he wrote the entire thing with a partner jeff franklin got credit and i don't know who is going to believe jeff franklin especially these days with his i I believe he's been fired from fuller house Due to his toxic environment, that was their official statement. That what? He, yeah, I don't know if you saw that. So, <laughs> I just I know someone who's worked with him, and uh, he's a bro. So, and he loves him. So, I just always assumed that anytime gotcha. I hear some 
something bad about Jeff Franklin, it's right. And any time something good about Jeff Franklin to consider the source. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be laughing at that, which I'm not. But yes, he, um, he has been uh, relieved of his Fuller House duties. And that's I guess that's where he's gotten most of his fame from Full House and shows like that. We also covered a movie that he helmed on this show called Summer School, starring um, yes! uh, Mark Harmon, who has been in and a little hot water recently as well. So <laughs> Wait, 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 but you're also forgetting it's tying to just one of the guys, because isn't Billy Zapka in Summer School too? Or am I making that up? Is he? Let me see. Because, okay, so he's definitely in Karate Kid. I love Billy Zapka. He's definitely in just one of the guys. I could have sworn he's in Summer School, but... Maybe he, I'm just... He's I, in Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Maybe that's, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. Sorry, guys. I was about to really, like, blow your mind here, and I didn't. No, but, I mean, he he was one of the only familiar faces I actually recognized in this cast, because I was like, that's a dude from Karate Kid. Cobra He's Kai. eternal. I love him. He plays such a... We don't have a good douchebag like that in, like, the modern film era, but Billy <laughs> Zabka. Like, he was only, like, a piece of shit in, what, like, three movies, and all of a sudden, like... He he is that 80s like villain really really and that's true like it, when they mock today like in films like not another teen movie and like other things when they're mocking the 80s teen villain he looks just like him like this yeah. is he is the model for the 80s teen villain so I, I was happy to see him here and i was happy to see him playing a villain you know largely I, yeah i'd never want to see him be a nice guy or do charity work <laughs> i want to see him like beating up nerds man is he in the new cobra kai show that's on i think so i think it's all about him yeah okay that's what i thought okay so yep 100 percent confirmed that's true okay that's cool so i mean good for him good for him then he's he's still doing stuff i'm glad you're a fan (laughs) i'm a fan so good for him i'm i'm more a fan of billy uh zapka than i am of let's say jeff franklin (laughs) 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 like let's tie it back to that conversation because i derailed it jeff franklin man talk about like falling upwards you want your heels to be just like stone cold 80s like jackasses not like bro-y toxic environment people there's a difference there's a difference right doesn't everybody like is, <laughs> isn't that just, like standard? I would hope so. I would think so. <laughs> it's like, oh no, but for the record, I definitely believe the director did the movie and that it reading between the lines, they brought in Franklin to basically bro it up and 80 sexify it. And I think that's why I got credit. And I think you were alluding to, too, this poster is not like a scene that happens in the movie. There's no. a locker room scene, but it's not like that. No, and the locker room scene is actually really fraught. Like, it's a terrifying experience for her because that's where she's the most vulnerable. And that's where she's going to get caught out for this. And there's a real threat of violence there. Yeah, and I, I was kind of <laughs> surprised because I just assumed that this scene existed because it was on, like, the poster and stuff. And it, it did not. So I was like, oh, okay. And I was surprised because I, I really thought we were going to get like a raunchy locker room scene and it really didn't happen. <laughs> and I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head that that's probably what happened because there's a lot of that in here in terms of like shoehorned s- yeah. sex stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and certainly in the promotions for this film. So a- every week I post like the posters for the film on like Instagram and Twitter and all such. And ahead of time I was just like like to look at what the posters and just the advertisements were for the film at the time and half of them have like Terry in a bikini 
you know? Ugh. Half of them are this. And it's like, in the in the little summary I just read there, it's so much about, like, like oh, she blames sexism, you know? Or, like... <laughs> drives me crazy about Hollywood in general. Just fucking market a movie to women. Buy women for women. Like, just do it. Some men will watch it, but I, I hate it. And they did this with Jennifer's body, too, when it's clearly, like, a movie around, like, a female protagonist and female-centered, like, themes. And then they're like, but what about the men? And then they just, like, they just fuck it up it, it, it drives me crazy it's so true and it's 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 weird because they never do the opposite right like they never like how, <laughs> how are we gonna get the ladies in and no and, and when they do it's like something really stupid probably oh yeah like they'll be like look at this love story like, i don't i like to watch explosions too believe me like it's cool you know it's it's yeah so it's clear that like whoever the, i think it's sony is the movie studio they're like fuck boys won't watch this how will they know it might give them a boner and then like they just like i'm totally postulating they brought jeff franklin in to like jizz all over it and that's what the movie we have today it's so weird that this is the guy i guess not weird now like knowing what we know but this is the guy who would like really really make his most fame with like stupid michelle tanner jokes in, in full house but if you remember the first couple of seasons of Full House before it really became like the family, like the neutered family show, like Uncle Jesse was a like he was a horn dog. <laughs> like total, there were plot points about him just taking women back to the Tanner household, and Danny'd be like, "Nah, not in front of my kids." That is true. That is true. Right? <laughs> like, I think that is. I think that is who Jeff Franklin is, and he just stumbled into like hundreds of millions of dollars. At the very least, Uncle Jesse is who Jeff Franklin thinks he is, or at least wants to be, you know? I don't know if he is, but... No, I can, like, listen, I'm just postulating people who write like that think they're Uncle Jesse, but in actuality, they're Uncle Joe. (laughs) That's so true. Right? He probably, like, thinks, and Jeff Franklin's probably going to find me and kill me, or not, I don't know, but he probably thinks, like, Full House is so deep, and he's like, you know, Danny... Jesse and Joey are like the three facets of my bro personality, and <laughs> I can express my art in this show as I raise these three young women. You know, like, it's so weird. <laughs> it's definitely like a glimpse into at least how Jeff Franklin wants to present himself to the world. <laughs> Very fair. But I think we've oh. talked way too much about Jeff Franklin. That's not fair. <laughs> Unfair to Lisa Gottlieb here, who, you know, we rarely, especially in this genre, I mean, Amy Heckerling comes to mind, but get women directors. So mm-hmm. really happy it happened. You can see it translate, as you said, um, to the screen. I'm kind of surprised she doesn't have more to her resume. She has two other feature films, one called Across the Moon and one called, called Cadillac Ranch. I don't know if you'd heard of either of them or any of them. I hadn't. No, I mean, I, mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there, though. Like, women directors get a one and done, and if they bone it up, it's over. Who is it? Penelope Spheris came out in an article, I think with Jezebel a few months ago, and basically said that if you're a woman director and you get one financial like flop at the box office, you're done. It's true. It's true. Like, And I've seen it uh, even on this podcast. I forgot her name, and unfortunately, but like the director of A Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff, um, <laughs> she ended up having to direct movies in China, you know? And this is all <sighs> like 
we're all inferring here, but there's so many. Um, so we covered this movie that uh, it's got a little bit of buzz. Tammy and the T Rex. It's a film where Paul Walker turns into a T Rex and Denise Richards falls in love with this T Rex. It's very very bad. I think I've seen it. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> but this director, like on the episode we were talking, like this director got so many chances to make really bad movies and like he had one or two hits but there were so many movies like that and it just just goes to show you like what you're saying is probably true and that's unfortunate because this movie has a lot of heart to it and there's much much worse high school films coming out at this time much much like films that are so forgotten at this point and this one is a film we're here talking about so I don't know what happened. Again, we're all just implying what went on here, but it seems like it's kind of true, you know? I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So any other, uh, I mean, we'll we'll go over some of the cast here, but there was really not a lot of faces I recognized. Well, Sherilyn Flynn, she was like, she went on to make something of herself, right? Yeah, that's true, as Sandy. Um, Twin Peaks and such. That one episode of Law and Order SVU, <laughs> where she marries her stepson. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like jogging yeah. my mind with that. That, <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, I forgot about that. And so, I, yeah, <laughs> she's a very familiar face. So that was one face I did recognize. Um, did you know Bill Zapka? Yes, I'm sorry, yes, Bill Zapka. That he, he was the main one though. But did you know um our lead though, uh, Joyce Heiser? No, but you know what? So I looked her up, and I've been racking my brain all weekend for this, and I haven't had time to rewatch it. But she was in Valley Girl, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I saw that too, and I'm like, I don't remember her in Valley Girl. Uh, no. We'll definitely cover that on this podcast as well. But oh, next time I see it, I'll have to check it out. I think she. So I thought that she was like uh, the the trampy girl who had sex with him in the club, the gloriously trampy girl. Um, but she's not. So she has to just be like a random like friend who's at a party yeah. or the prom. And she's, she has to be. In Valley Girl, she's credited as Joyce, and that's her name in real yeah. life. So like they usually do that when they it's like a nothing character. But uh, they did that in this movie, too. Debbie is played by a woman named Debbie. <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe the 80s were a hell of a time. The two other films that I like have on my list that or I've looked into recently that she's in was this one called The Hollywood Nights. And I've never seen it, but it has um, Fran Drescher and Tony Danza. <gasps> so I'm that ve- sounds amazing! I'm very curious. I, you know what? I, I, I might book you for The Hollywood Nights because you're the only one who's ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a dream team! <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely want to check that one out. And she's also in... Apparently, staying alive, which is the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which I've never oh. seen either. But apparently, you very haven't bad. seen that? No, I haven't. But I, I've wanted to because I know Sylvester Stallone directs it, and he, his brother did all the music. And Frank Stallone has a cameo, and it's amazing because okay, I'm going to spoil this movie. Please do. It's not a high school movie. So. <laughs> the last line is after he like makes his triumphant like debut on Broadway. They're like, "What are you going to do?" He turns to the camera and goes, "I'm going to strut." No. And then, like, yes, and that's how the movie ends. It's so good. I know it famously is one of the uh, 0% movies on Rotten Tomatoes, so I've wanted to see it. <laughs> it's, it, it I'm going to tell you something. It is a truly beautiful movie, and it's terrible, and, like, you should 
get a little drunk and watch it. And I promise you, it will not be a waste of like four hours. Wow. It's really, it's long. Unless it feels long. I actually, it's only 96 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's good. It's listen. If I can get anybody to do anything based on this podcast, please, for the love of God, go watch Staying Alive. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm definitely gonna check that out because again, it's I've wanted to. I just keep forgetting. Speaking of which, wait, do you still have your Rotten Tomatoes accreditation, or did they take it away from you yet? I think I still do. They should. Like every day, I wake up. I'm like, they take it away from me. I'm not good at reviewing things where my taste and other people's taste align at all can you please like review staying alive and give it like a point oh oh one percent or something oh give it a rave like yeah give it a rave review so it gets out of that zero percentage category <laughs> okay i have to say something oh my god so i just googled this while i was talking to you friends my rotten tomatoes reviews are up to four now nice i know they were dumb enough to put my uh ode to real genius on there so, <laughs> awesome and and i reviewed a show that's on the history channel about aliens right now so yeah i'm sitting pretty right now <laughs> i uh i i wish that was a uh high school movie that was a good article I, it's i i can just tell you that the title is real genius is the best movie of 1985 if you disagree i'll see you in hell and that is now on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> but, but to tie it back to what we're talking about, Just One of the Guys came out in 1985. It did as right? well. So clearly, it's not your favorite movie of 1985, but we'll still talk about it. We won't give up it's, on the podcast just yet. No, I mean, it's it's just, it's a good movie. And it could have been great. And I'll say that if maybe Jeff Franklin hadn't been involved <laughs> in it. <laughs> Blame Jeff Franklin. I'm going to wear a shirt that says that. Right? Like, you know that, like, Full House Jeff Franklin font that comes up in the credits? That's the font I want on my shirt. I love that. I think we could sell that. We probably could. Like, okay, only two people would buy it, but those two people would be, like, really cool. I'm going to write that down because the network has been starting, like, a t-shirt store, and I want to to write (laughs) He's going to kill me, Jeff Franklin. I know know he has, like, bros everywhere. Well, you know... Okay, this is going real deep cut, but you know he bought the house where the Manson family killed Sharon Tate. He, that's where he lives. What? I didn't know He's that. He got that energy. Yeah. Oh, man. You really better watch out. I better, but I'm going to attempt it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> think of the type of person who wants to buy that house. <laughs> and then live in it, you know? Well, no, he tore it down. Oh, okay. His, it's yeah it's i think he built a house on that property i better be right here that's all i can say i could just be talking it's out my adding house. to the legend you're helping <laughs> and i'll give you a cut but you're helping me sell blame jeff franklin t-shirts so and don't I'm, worry you'll be cut in i did good no please don't say that in relation to jeff franklin who the manson family house i don't want to be cut into anything with jeff no, franklin. no 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 i don't <laughs> i don't mean it like that i'm not in the league with jeff franklin either that would be an interesting Goose. ruse yeah, it's the long game, my friend. <laughs> oh, I love the long game. Um, <laughs> so I thought I recognized Buddy, her brother. I did too, but I didn't. No, no, it's weird. He just has a very familiar face, I guess. He has like a fa- like a very 80s little brother face, doesn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, I can't tell you how many movies I've done where like 
the little brother or like the shithead kid is named Buddy. So, all of them, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Do you know what? Do you know what he looks like? He looks like Jason Bateman if Jason Bateman was born like a month later. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he just looks like like a slightly more baked version of Jason Bateman. It, it's funny because I 100 agree, and it's funny because that movie, The Hollywood Nights, I mentioned before has Tony Dan's on Fran Drescher, and it's clearly based in Hollywood, but they have these really thick New York accents in real life, at least. I, I'm guessing that those two did not like go method in that Hollywood Nights movie and change the way they speak. But uh, th- I believe this takes place in Arizona, because I see like the flags of Arizona. I'm so glad you brought that up, because it's very confusing where this movie plays. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. good point, yeah, because they have a beach prom later. Right? Oh, <laughs> and, man. Like, with a tide! <laughs> Like, I even looked it up because apparently, I don't know where I read it, but it takes place in Phoenix, which makes sense because it's the Sun Tribune, which I think is a Phoenix paper, but I could be making that up. Sounds but like at one. Prom, right? But at prom, there's like a fucking tide. Like, she gets thrown <laughs> out of the ocean. And like, last time I checked, Arizona is landlocked. Yeah, and pretty desertish, you know? That wasn't like right? Grand Canyon party. Like, it was. No! And. <laughs> Wow, good point. And do lakes have tides? I thought that only, like, oceans have tides. The only, like, lakes wrong? that have tides like that are, like, the Great Lakes, right? Like, you're in Chicago, you see stuff like that. Not that crazy, but, you know, a little bit. But there's no, like, again, Arizona fans, correct us, please. If there is some kind of large body of water in the middle of Arizona, please let us know. But I'm pretty sure there is not. So. In the greater, Fe- no, in the greater Phoenix metro area, let's <laughs> Yes. Okay. In the Valley of the Sun, there's a freaking huge lake somewhere. That's th- with no. the tide. Yeah, with the tide. Clearly a California beach. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and it was confusing because there's palm trees, and I I've been to Arizona. I don't remember palm trees. <laughs> then why not just set it in California? I don't understand when people like there was no there was no essential phoenixness of the plot except like the name of the paper, I guess. It was all very. I, honestly, <laughs> the only thing I could come up with is that maybe Arizona has more lax standards for enrolling in high school in the eighties. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> maybe maybe that's the one amount of research. Like, whoa, in California, they change the check. <laughs> And Phoenix, anything goes. (laughs) Oh, Phoenix, so lawless. Um, (laughs) I I brought that up, though, because I guess they're related, so it's okay. But both Terry and uh, her brother Buddy have, like, kind of thickish New York accents. I I thought that was interesting. Yeah, especially Terry. That's a good point. But Terry, yeah. But uh, and then I look. Both actors are from like uh, New York, so that makes sense. But you know they don't try to hide it at all. But whatever. I guess they move there. You know. I, I guess I'm thinking too too much into this. Anyone else? Oh, there was the guy Rick. He, I looked. Yeah, he, I looked him up, and he was in some things, but it wasn't anything crazy. He was. None of these people ring a bell for me when I rewatch this. Like with Peggy Sue got married, I'm like. Oh, it's the guy who was just in Widows. You know what I mean? Like, let's just put it this way: it seems like just one of the guys is the apex of literally everyone's career. Absolutely, movie. which is which is a shame because usually you get one or two like, wow, you know, like that person was th- this, you know, they they were like the bit part in this film, but not yeah. really anyone here, which. Definitely I interesting. Mean, to be fair, if you were in just one of the guys, would you ever try to like capture lightning in a bottle again, or would you just accept that 
I would have never be better. I would have <laughs> I would have auditioned for things like Soul Man. You know, I know it's not going to be better, <laughs> but it's going to get me a paycheck, <laughs> and I could react and act the same exact way, probably. Though you know, not for for different well, things. It, but. Sense though, so if you if we go back to why the director was hired, it was basically Columbia Pictures had literally never had a woman director in like their at that point what almost eighty years existence. Jesus, wow! And and so I heard that they basically got sued over it, and they're like, "Oh shit, we better get a lady director." <laughs> so, so they like pulled Linda Gottlieb. Is that how you say her last name? I think Gottlieb Gottlieb. I'm not sure. But one one or the, Lisa. the other. Lisa, they, that was her Lisa. name. Oh shit! I called her Linda. They they pulled Lisa just out of thin air. They're like, oh, okay, and it sounds like she cobbled together a cast and crew of nobodies because basically this movie was treated as a throwaway every step of the way. It seems like it. It certainly does. But as you said, I keep coming back to this too. Like it does end up having a lot of heart and occasionally a couple a couple layers peek in here and there. So yeah. It, it's staying kind of power. Yes. Like anybody who's seen, I'm going to amend my earlier statement. Anybody who's seen this damn movie has seen this movie and can tell you about it. There's going to be a few people who maybe caught glimpses on like basic cable and remember the scene. But if you saw just one of the guys, you remember just one of the guys. I was talking about it with somebody today and they were like someone who'd seen the movie a couple times and they were like recounting more than I can probably recount today. Maybe not, but like I was like, oh yeah, you know. So I think you're right. And none of the moments are ever like, did you see her tits in that scene? You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, that is the scene you think about when you think of this movie is when she rips open her tux and shows her tatas to the world. Bless her. Wait a minute. Now I'm confused. I'm a girl. I'm a woman. <laughs> right, and I'm Cindy Lauper. Could we please go back to the prom now? But I feel like not for that reason, you know? Like, even that scene doesn't doesn't seem like a locker room scene, you know? Like, a random, like, yeah. walking around locker room scene. Like, it's, it's actually part of the plot there. It's not like it's Betsy Russell riding a horse topless <laughs> in that, what was it, private school? Like... <laughs> Or, yeah, but I, I, I agree. And I read a little bit about that scene and they really had to convince her to do it because it wouldn't have worked if she just sort of like opened her top and they just got his reaction shot. And I agree. Like there's a really weird juxtaposition that works with like this androgynous male presenting person with just like huge boobs. It talks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. That scene, as I read, like Joyce like did not want to do it. She's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And then they filmed two versions of it, one with her in a bra, one with her, you know, topless. And she got to decide which version got in there. Mm. And I think I read this in an oral history, and we're tying it back to Jeff Franklin, because that motherfucker said, huh, everybody really rewinded that scene on home video. Like, oh God. we didn't have the internet then, so you'd have to rush out and pause it and rewind it, and yeah, it was great. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, this is why I'm so angry with Jeff Franklin today, is I just read this, like, an hour ago. Yeah, I didn't find that oral history. Was that on Uproxx? I'm just finding that now. Oh, no, Yahoo. Yahoo, okay, I found <laughs> one on Uproxx. There's a bunch of oral histories of this film. It's one of those movies that, like, it's, I forget, there's a whole psychological effect where once you learn something, you hear about it all the time. And I feel like that's what just one of the guys is. Like, the moment you 
like get indoctrinated to this movie, then you're like welcomed by the just one of the guy community. And there's <laughs> a lot of people in it. Well, I'm happy to hopefully, hopefully be accepted by the just one of the guys <laughs> community. Now, maybe, uh, you know, I guess I'm just one of the guys now too, right? I'm going to, I'm going to be sure like, the, are. I'm going to be like that freaking uh, VHS summary and use that line like 30 times. <laughs> That's, it's like summoning Beetlejuice. You say it four more times. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that at the end. <laughs> so, um, anything that struck you on the in the early part of this film? You know, we haven't talked about her horribly amazing college boyfriend. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I love him. So I was trying to think of when I was in high school if anybody had like an oh college boyfriend. All I could come up with was this girl who was 16 had this boyfriend whose name was Goat. And I think what? he was like 22. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And at the time, we're like, oh, wow, you're so mature. You have an older boyfriend. But it's like once you get out of high school and you get to that age, you're like, what are you doing running around with a high school girl? That's weird, right? Absolutely. No, that's like... Because I remember being in college and thinking, like, high school girls were way too young for me at that point, so. Yes! And there's always, like, so this and Can't Buy Me Love, both the girls are seniors with those college boyfriends. And it's like, I don't know anybody whose boyfriend went to college is like, no, we're definitely going to keep doing this while you're still in high school. Let alone this asshole, like, drive her to school and come over and wait for hours for her to come home while her creepy brother is, like, not taking no for an answer from his math date. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Kate, you have me off my game because I forgot an essential segment to the high school slumber party experience. You have to introduce Uh yourself by saying your name and your high school and the high school team name. When you brought up goat, it reminded me. Oh, were you a goat? No, but I, I'm picturing like a guy in Alaska named Goat. So <laughs> you're whatever you're picturing, you're right. <laughs> I promise you. Okay, do you want me to just do fit, a pause and then do that? No, fit it in now. We're just gonna keep it in the middle of the episode. Are we gonna keep it in there? Yeah. Okay. Well, because of goat, I'm uh, <laughs> unhappy to tell you that my high school mascot was not a goat, but a sea wolf, <laughs> which I I still don't know what one. Wait, no, we were a T-bird. My college was a sea wolf. Gotcha. We yeah. were we were Thunderbirds in high school. So my name is Kate Hudson, and I went to East Anchorage High School, and I graduated a while ago, so we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all good. I've eliminated the year part. That's optional if people want to. I don't I, – it's, it's not that I don't mind giving my year. It's just that it's not a good year. Like, nothing good happened in 2002. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it is- was like, oh, man. Honestly, right? that is true. <laughs> like, the early 2000s were a wasteland for basically everything. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, nothing, like, no notable cultural, like, movies or TV shows were happening right about that time. Like, I'd have to look it up, but no, you're probably right. Like, uh, honestly, the only good thing that happened was the Fast and Furious franchise launched. Very true. That's a good point. <laughs> Which is kind of appropriate There were some that era. teen movies here or there, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for shoehorning that in because that was important. <laughs> Again, like I said, it clicked with me because if you guys did not hear the Peggy Sue Got Married episode and didn't really absorb Kate's crazy high school experience in terms of how you... <laughs> game the system like no one I've ever had on this episode you guys or on this show you guys gotta check that episode out because you know you'll you'll be flabbergasted but anyway yeah I heard goat 
And I was like, goat. like if you were from Texas, I would picture a kind of different goat guy. You know, if you were from Boston, I'd picture a different goat guy. Like, like so I pictured the Alaskan goat guy. So, And he's exactly what you pictured. <laughs> and I think he used to come drink with us occasionally. Oh. Like, it's just, but the thing is, is when you're 16, you think that's okay. But at like 34, I'm like, that is gross and creepy. Well, like, I don't blame her. Like, I don't blame Terry, you know, like. No. But I, and, and. Just to flash forward a little, you know, we're just going to bounce around. But after, like, it doesn't work out with him, he immediately tries to, like, hit on another <laughs> high school girl at the prom. And then he gets mad at her. He's like, oh, you're with somebody. It's like, yeah, genius. You're at the fucking prom. <laughs> I think he even asked her, like, him. you came with someone, right? And she's like, yeah. He's like, oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's, my favorite thing about him is that when he sees Billy Zabka throwing his girlfriend into the ocean, he's like, he adopts a wait-and-see approach to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on! Whereas her brother goes feral and jumps on him and bites his neck. Yeah, he cares to a point, you know? Because he seems to, like, want to still date her, and he seems upset, but not... <laughs> right? He's a, he's like, a he just he doesn't value his time is like my thing. Like if your girlfriend is like, sorry, I'm going to this other prom dressed as a guy. I'll talk to you later. Like my first approach would be like, oh, I'm going to follow her. I'm going to drive to California because it's happened by an ocean. I'll drive to California. And like, I'm going to waste more time on her. But then I'm not going to help her out. Like it's very odd motivation for this guy. Yeah. Yeah, probably not the best written character, but honestly, maybe it is because he's just like a he's, bro dates high school girls. So he's fascinating <laughs> because like his inner life must be like very empty and very rich at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, and and we get a we get a decent amount of him more than I thought. I thought this was gonna be kind of a character who you see disappears and you see again at the end when it's like, oh, you're a dude. <laughs> no. But no, no, we get a lot of him actually. <laughs> he's there the entire time, and then like the best part is, is like he's not very bright either, so he never puts two and two together <laughs> what she's been doing. <laughs> it's, it's like, like what college is he really in? I, I I don't know. He literally doesn't go to class. Maybe class semesters ended. Maybe they mentioned that. I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I should mention, though, that this is loosely Sorry, based... Sorry, go on. I could riff on him forever. <laughs> Sorry. I should mention, though, that this is loosely based on William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Terry is supposed to be Viola or Viola. I'm not sure. I'm not a Shakespeare guy. And there's other characters, but that dude is supposed to be someone as well. But like I said, it's very loosely based on that. Very. As is, like, uh, Amanda Bynes' She's the Man... So we'll, Love that movie. <laughs> so we'll talk about Twelfth Night as well, but this isn't going to be a deep dive into the Shakespeare aspects of this film because I think <laughs> I think this film it, it, it can stand on its own without that. And I think yes. that the Amanda Bynes one, She's the Man, is more like trying to be a Shakespeare adaptation. This is more yes. like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if a, a lady dressed like a man? <laughs> this is like someone did a lot of coke, saw a Shakespeare play in their library, like. <laughs> Two and two together, Eureka! Typically for Shakespeare films, I'll bring on my Shakespeare expert, John Harden, to do a 60-minute Shakespeare, and he just, like, gives me what the play is about. Sorry, 60-minute, Jesus Christ. No, 60-second Shakespeare. That's yeah. half a play, my friend. <laughs> no, like, yeah, he, he has a minute to tell me what the Shakespearean play is about, because there's a lot of 
high school films that pretend they're Shakespeare plays. But this one, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that for She's the Man because this one is, like I said, very very loose on the Twelfth <laughs> Night thing. So whatever. That's probably the last time we'll say Shakespeare on this podcast, unless you're like, ooh, this is a very Shakespearean moment. But that's up to you. I'm not gonna ban you from it. I take as a, I take that as a challenge. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, any early scenes that caught your eye or early moments, early beats. I wrote that there's a dog death early on. I wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> um, Wait, what? What? Yeah, like I think someone runs over a dog or says they do. It was it's like a throwaway line, and I was like not a fan. And then it was never revisited. So whatever. Um, I don't remember that. I'm sure it was the boyfriend. Probably, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like. I remember like. Oh! You're right. No, it was the um, it was the driver's ed teacher. Yes, yes, that's who it was. Yeah, I remember just writing that down and be like, oh, <laughs> you're not winning me over right now. But okay. right. <laughs> so the scene in the beginning that I just I loved because it was so terrible is her journalism teacher telling her that rather than become a journalist, she sh- she should become a model because obviously being a model is so much easier than being a journalist. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And then the boyfriend it's... later is like, you make good money doing that. <laughs> He's such an asshole. <laughs> His biggest complaint was, you tie your bikini knot too tight. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I, I love assholes more than I love good characters. Like, I would rather watch a movie of his relationship imploding with her <laughs> and her falling in love with the dorky guy who inappropriately lost his virginity yeah and uh, i mean we can talk about that really quickly now like and that just like slid in there you know (laughs) it's so gross like they're not like it's not like oh my god what happened (laughs) i so my theory is this so i watched it the first time two days ago and i was like that's disgusting this is just the 80s vomiting up cocaine everywhere (laughs) but like a second reread, uh, reread, rewatch after reading a little bit more about it. I honestly think that that was a fairly subversive like moment for the movie because if the genders were reversed, one, if she was there as a girl talking to him, he never would admit that ever. Mm. Two, if it were two like girls talking about their sexual experience, and it's like my mom died and my dad's friend wanted to cheer me up, and it did. Like that would not be treated as a lighthearted like ha 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 ha. That would be like a grossly deeply tragic thing. No, no, yeah, huh? That's an interesting right. take. But wait, I guess I should explain it because we're just talking about. Um, <laughs> there's a moment when um, Terry is trying to bond with Rick, and she and she as he invites herself over to his bedroom in his house and they're drinking beers and the beers are literally just blue cans that say beer on it and it's amazing by the Um, way by the way i don't know if you saw this that was actually beer they sold at the time i saw that and i i didn't believe it i figured that might be one of those like gen x trying to fuck with us moments but i don't know i looked it up though and i I saw it and apparently like they, they tried to literally make beer so cheap and market it to high school kids that like that's you know it was just generic <laughs> beer like they didn't spend any money on marketing or the can or whatever and they, i was like wow <laughs> i know i feel like we missed out frankly that's why, that's why that's why the early aughts are such a barren wasteland is we didn't have beer that was just beer on the can <laughs> oh good time okay sorry anyway so Basically, it's two dudes talking about their sexual experiences, and Rick says that his first sexual experience is after his dad died, 
one of his mom's friends deflowered him to make him feel better. And it quote unquote, and it did. Like, that's so gross. <laughs> right? I was like, what? It seems so just like randomly inappropriate that you think it's a Jeff Franklin moment, mo- like in the movie. And it, honestly, it probably could have been, but I, this is where I think that this movie gets really clever, is I think the director, Lisa Gottlieb, is really responsible for putting these layers in and keeping some of the grosser aspects of this movie intact, but framing it in such a way that if you take a step back from like looking at, at it like an 80s like sex romp-like movie... There actually is saying something because I don't think that if the genders were reversed that we would be treating this cutely or he would admit it to Terry as a girl. No, I mean, and that's a good take. And I hope you're right because then, you know, that's that's pretty cool. You know, and you mentioned something too. Like, I think if someone was sold by the poster and probably the trailer <laughs> and like like one of these horny young boys was expecting a sex romp, I think they'd probably be disappointed. I don't know. There were so many boobs in this movie. Like, don't forget the whole like Playboy homage in the creepy brother's room. Like the, every time we're in his room, we just see tits. <laughs> yeah, but like that. I don't know. That doesn't feel like. You know, I I did not grow up in a generation where I guess the porn magazine was <laughs> the easiest way to see a naked woman. So maybe it's not cr- like I wasn't really looking at that. You know, like I, it just kind of blurred as wallpaper in the background to me at that point. But I mean, when it first is brought up, I mean, <laughs> just a side note. I know we're bouncing around a little bit, but they mentioned that their parents are gone for two weeks. <laughs> so that means this movie takes place in. A two-week span. Yeah. Yeah. Less than two weeks because the parents aren't back by the time it basically ends. <laughs> True. So it's just it's just a way to write out the parents. And, right. you know, he uh, the brother, Buddy, wallpapers his entire wall with porn. And yet, well, I guess they're, they're true. They're ladies with personalities because one, you know, they have things they enjoy <laughs> and he knows all about them, I guess, you know. So it's a little bit deeper than that. But it's... it's- well, we're introduced to this little creep bag in the opening credits by he's reading a Playboy in front of his sister at breakfast. He, uh, yeah. Uh, and like right? early on, too, he like when they're talking about the parents not being there, he, he's like bragging about like, oh, the, our parents are away so I can I can have sex with somebody in their king size bed. I'm like, so ooh, ooh, I like got the chills while, while hearing that. Like, why? Why is that a fantasy of yours, buddy? Why? why? Why are you talking to your sister about that? They're close. They're close. They share. They share clothes at some point. <laughs> I, dude, I've got three brothers. None of those knuckleheads ever talked to me about any of that stuff. <sighs> it's so weird. <laughs> it's their relationship is inappropriate. Very. Is what it is. Very. And and she's like, I guess, grossed out by him, but not enough. <laughs> right like she just treats like his like creepy like date rapey like approach is like oh you to one point like like offering that that uh, one girl as like uh, like oh distract her with your sexual harassment please while i have to do something (laughs) and like he threatens i mean it's treated as a joke but he basically threatens to ruin the whole charade if her best friend won't go out with him 
Luckily, like, I was really happy that, like, she said no right away and he backed off. Because I was like, wait, is this something that happens in this movie? Like, she feels... Right? Because like, that would be a plot line. <laughs> Especially in the 80s. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> He's just... It's like there's a whole scene where the weird boyfriend's there inexplicably, but he's trying to like seduce his math partner and she's not having it. And then she gets up to leave and he's like, would it help if I told you I'm hung like a bear? And then she pauses and then she's like, is that true? And he goes, not really. And then she walks out like it's such a weird like scenario, the way this plays out, like for 85% of the scene, he's like this creepy sexual harasser. And then the last 15 minutes, 15% is like, oh, you. <laughs> it's like, it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I hate when this happens because it sounds like we're really like hating on this movie and it's not about the movie. It's just these weird character beats that yes. <laughs> or like moments that happen that are just like super, super skeevy. It's every time, every time the plot and the dialogue and everything is focused on Terry. It's really, really good. The moment you start to deviate and you have to bring in her creepy little brother for like weird science esque reasons, I don't know. It gets weird. Oh yeah. And then every time we see like the interior lives of the boys in her life, it just gets really weird. Like it just takes a turn. And and there is something to say about that. There is not one guy in this movie who at least doesn't have a creepy story you know (laughs) (laughs) we haven't even mentioned my favorite side character which is the weird looking guy who just always has a reptile on him in school who's credited as reptile so like like, this asshole is walking around with a snake at lunch like i don't i honestly don't blame billy zabka for bullying him a little bit like There maybe is some feedback there that you should not bring a snake around people and then feed mice to it in front of people. Yeah, and like, you know, later at the prom, he's got like multiple lizards that he's putting in things, and it's just... That was a weird character, because it didn't almost feel... Like, I know this movie is silly, but it didn't... Like, there weren't a lot of quirky background characters like some movies do. Wait, serious? I thought that... What about the two alien virgin guys? But, okay, and that's what I was getting to, right? Like, so there's there's the <laughs> weirdo aliens, and then there's the reptile <laughs> man. It's like we're, we're we get these moments of heart, and then we we like have <laughs> inconsequential like alien friends. <laughs> who, and those guys got dates to the prom, as well as the reptile guy did. So I was like, <laughs> and I know we're supposed to laugh at that, and I did, and it, it wasn't something that like took me out of it or anything. I just thought it was an interesting choice. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting choices in this movie. (laughs) Like, I forgot for a moment, I got this one confused with Teen Witch, and I I thought on my first rewatch that they were going to do that I Like Boys song in the (laughs) locker room, and it honestly wouldn't have seemed that out of place in just one of the guys. It's funny, because Teen Witch seems like a parody of, like, this film, almost. Not not the witch elements, but there's a lot of, like, the high school stuff seems like a parody of this film, and it's... It does! And it's not, obviously, but it really does. There was a lot of, like, moments, because, like, the brother in that is similar to the brother in this... 100% 100% to the point where I thought the brother in Teen Witch was in just one of the guys. <laughs> By the way, he is my favorite shitty little brother in an 80s teen movie of all. <laughs> oh, yeah. In He's great. Witch. 
He's just, I could watch him in everything. <laughs> He's great. Uh, Even in a Shakespeare play. Nice, nice, nice work in there. <laughs> no, we, uh, yeah, when we did Teen Witch, we talked about him a lot. Just like, his accent is strange, but... <laughs> He's just a creepy little kid. A dirty, creepy little kid. And I, and I don't mean like dirty, like, like this guy is like, Buddy here is like sexually dirty. Like the brother yes. in Teen Witch is literally... Like he's just a little filth monster. Yeah. <laughs> like under the bed with chocolate under his mouth. You know? like... <laughs> and then how he would just scream at people yeah. out, like from his talking voice. I love that guy. I'll tell so ya. Like, you. Know... <laughs> but it, I really like... I, I agree that there's odd parallels between those two movies. And I get those two plot points. Or characters, or even actors confused in the two, because, like, they're both absurd in different ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Another creepy moment early on that I wanted to mention quickly was that when the teachers are talking and she's, like, overhearing it. Oh! And one of them is super, super, like, he should be arrested creep level. Fuck yeah, he should! And then... And then that asshole, her little one. So it's between the journalism teacher and like some like random guy who probably ended up marrying a student in five years. <laughs> um, and then like the scene is directly, I think, followed by the journalism teacher turning her down. Yeah. Uh, for her scholarship, giving her no reasons why she got turned down, and then telling her to model. And I've I've read an interesting commentary that even ter- even though her piece wasn't that great. When she dressed as a boy and it got turned down, he was told why it was turned down versus as the woman, as, you know, the girl, Terry, she was given no feedback, just given a rejection. Mm. So there's like no room for improvement there. That's interesting. And that's something we we kind of like we're talking about with the directors, you know, like. Right. <laughs> wow. Shit. That's so that's so dark, but it, true. <laughs> that's crazy. It's crazy to think about. But this movie, there's a realness factor, despite the reptile man and the the alien boys. <laughs> there's a realness factor. I agree. Yeah. So one thing I feel like this movie missed, and I was shocked it didn't have, was your classic high school makeover scene. It, it, it was very anticlimactic, wasn't it? Yeah, and I was like, what? Like, I really, really thought that that was going to happen because in my, you know, studies here in the high school slumber party, if they can get a makeover scene in the movie, they're going to get a makeover scene in the movie. And this one actually called for it. It didn't happen. A thousand percent. It just, we get a cut scene. She's like, I'll buy you new clothes. We'll put it on plastic. Cut to the next day. He finally looks better. (laughs) We're talking about Rick. We're talking about Terry and Rick. The creepy boy that she's in love with, even though she met him when they were both in the bushes. Yeah, and, you know, it's like, you, you know, there are a lot of moments where it could happen. You know, we don't see the haircut originally from Terry, right? I don't think so. I th- No, you're right. There, There is no exposition for the stuff that you would think is like catnip to a teen movie. Like, we don't see her get a haircut or go through her own montage of where she tries to dress like a man. Yeah. It doesn't work. And like she frowns in the mirror type of thing. And then you're, you're right. And the later scene too, where it's like, you need new clothes. That's such a flash to a mall scene or something. Right. It doesn't happen. So I... it's confusing. <laughs> well, okay. To be fair, a montage usually takes place over the course of a few days. And they didn't have that amount of time. Because <laughs> this all takes place basically in an afternoon. And I feel like... That, that has to be a conscious choice on the director's part to, like, skirt the line of predictability but never really cross into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's 
it, it is a lost opportunity to really go truly cheesy 80s teen movie. Well, and that's what I mean. If you have Reptile Kid, like, it's surprising that they don't do that. Like, they're... If you have, like, a couple cheesy 80s teen movie cards you're going to play, like, I'm surprised those were the ones they played rather than, you know, some of the more low-hanging fruit ones. But that's okay. That's okay. It's It has to come down to budget. I think it was a matter of budget because, I don't know, they had weird random songs that they got rights to. Yeah, I know. And this soundtrack is actually a uh, soundtrack with pretty significant musicians on it yeah well did you read the piece i don't know where i read it it might have been imdb trivia where so rick her would-be love interest like inexplicably is obsessed with james brown and this comes out of nowhere like nowhere (laughs) yeah like it's just his bedroom is plastered with james brown posters as all 17 year old boys were in 1985 (laughs) and apparently james brown came on set for three days to teach him how to dance so he could dance like him at the prom yeah i've read that and i'm like okay so you don't seem like you have much of a budget here but <laughs> i know you got james brown to come in like i don't know <laughs> three days for three days and for did you remember him dancing like james brown at all he had like one little twirl <laughs> i mean good for that actor that he got to like hang out with james brown but <laughs> for three days like at this there's so many odd choices for this movie that just one odd choice would be a fluke right but every time they have a choice to go weird they do so it has to just be like something there has to be deeper meaning here for all of us yeah yeah so we talked about the locker room scene a little bit we don't have to like dive into the nitty-gritty but i mean i i think the point is that it's not like a raunchy locker room scene and uh, terry actually gets clever with how to i like how she tries to skirt gym class a lot so i read a little bit about this and i by the way i'm not qualified to talk about this with nuance i just want to put that caveat out there but a lot of people who would later be able to be open about being maybe gender non-conforming say that the way terry navigated bathrooms and locker rooms really spoke to them on a deep level okay that's, which that's cool is it well it's a context that i wouldn't get But it's fascinating to me that this is sort of held up as one of those movies that show what it's like to be gender nonconforming, but want to use the bathroom of the gender you're presenting for, maybe by choice or by necessity. And it's it's interesting to me that in a, a movie that has a creepy college boyfriend, like a little sexual harassing little brother, that this movie can actually like touch on something that even in 2019, our cultural discourse around it is still really fraught and not necessarily as representative of it as it could be. Yeah, and that's an excellent point. I kind of, you know, I wanted to kind of discuss like the gender aspects of this film. And I think that's, you know, if if you read that, that's awesome because like from my perspective, it did seem like the it like I felt for Terry and I I know she's not doing this. I know she's doing this for like her assignment or whatever. But you know, it didn't it it was silly, but it didn't seem silly if that makes sense. Like it seemed like plausible and you could actually see her insecurities with these kind of things yeah and it wasn't played up to like a all the way haha level and you know maybe we'll credit the director again with that i don't know but that that i thought those were some of the best aspects of this film i mean i agree and speaking as a woman sometimes you do or just like shit if i were a man this would be much easier for me or if i were a man i x y and z would have happened for me so i think that the genesis of where she came from 
in order to get to this conclusion that, oh, I'm going to go inexplicably enroll in a high school and they're going to take me on as this boy. Um, I think the way that she got to that sort of choice was really authentic to me. And what's interesting is the way that people treated her differently when they thought she was a boy Mm -hmm. um, versus a girl and the opportunities and some of the explanations she got. But also she, she had to navigate what it's like to be a guy when people may make assumptions about your sexuality because she doesn't look like a tall woman. So she must've been like a five, like let's say five foot six, like, and I don't know what it was like for a five foot six, sort of not necessarily a super masculine guy in high school in 1985 but i imagine it was not an easy experience no and and they don't they're not so direct with that aspect of it but it seems to be something that's fueling uh you know the the bullies in the school against terry um i think yeah i think these aspects are so good this movie should be complete garbage you know and it's not yeah it's, I I really think that that is a testament to the cast um, and the director. Like, Terry could have been played for, like, broad-sweeping, like, soul man type of beats, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Because, and it's never. Like, she truly, you can tell she truly is trying to, she believes she's a boy in that moment. She's really, like, reacting as how she thinks a boy would react. And you see her slipping sometimes. Like, at one point, she calls Rick after seeing her brother talk their mom on the phone he's like what up scumbag and like that's like the joke is a six-year-old boy's talking to his mom like that yeah i'll get it hello hey yo scumbag he suck your own eat me he same to you butt face mom says hi and then Terry recreates that and she slips because she wants to like be more nurturing because mm-hmm. that's sort of how she's conditioned to be. And then you see her like give that face to herself like she knew she just screwed up. And it's really interesting too to see that at play. Like she, you have to suppress some of your more quote unquote feminine traits to be a boy in high school. And that was hard for her too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it really comes across. You know, it really comes across. And like I like this is a movie that I know it's at times it seems like we're really talking bad about it, but I, I'm continue, I continue to be shocked. Like I'm definitely going to watch this film again and recommend it to people like just for some of these aspects here. Like I, I hate saying something as ahead of its time because I think that we sometimes think that the problems of today are only problems of today when they've existed forever, but it certainly feels like it can exist at times again it can exist with the, within the dialogue structure that we have today if that makes sense oh i think the only thing i, I totally agree and i think the only thing that would really ha- have to be updated for just one of the guys in 2019 is in a post me too world i don't think buddy would be allowed to be so uh, sexually harassment as like a key component of his personality but no, it's, it's, <laughs> right. But it's true to it's true to today. I was thinking about this before we I came on today. It's think of how much different this would be. And there's no way you could do it in a live action movie. But this the cast is all white, like all white. So this is basically one. I think I would, it's safe to say upper middle class white girl because their house is very nice. Yeah. And sort of her sort of fight against like the patriarchy and not being taken at her own level. But 
I mean, there is intersectionality of culture and race there too that's never comes into play in this movie that would just make it so much more deeply nuanced and layered in 2019 as well. And I'm sure we're going to get it again. You know, this is, as we mentioned with She's the Man, this is something that people do often. And I would just be very curious, like, how it is handled today, you know? So I read, I think it's in the Yahoo um, oral history, that Joyce Heiser... And the woman who played her friend Denise, they both have competing uh, ideas for a sequel. Joyce's is basically Billy Zabka has, is now like this like super successful like rich guy and he comes in and buys out her newspaper and wants to close it down. And her pitch is basically now she must like go back and do it all over again <laughs> to try to convince him to keep the newspaper. But then her dingbat friend, her idea is basically it's just the 30-year high school reunion and she wants to write it with Jeff Franklin. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think, I think that it's, it would be interesting to see these characters revisited again 35 years later only because, like, let's see how they aged. But to your point, it would be really interesting to see how this could happen in 2019. Although, honestly, you know, Love, Simon is kind of like this to an extent. They somehow anonymize his sexuality and then it becomes public fodder. Like, there's some sort of correlation there. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, but yeah, I don't know how that you could... You just can't enroll in high school with no fucking transcripts anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a problem. They'd have to be a little bit more clever about that. I, I, yeah, and I think it would be really interesting to explore the intersectionality of like race and culture with this too. And I really don't know how you could do that nuanced, except maybe in a cartoon. No, no, but maybe someone does. And it's not Jeff Franklin, I'll tell you that much. Please, 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 <laughs> please, no. <laughs> please. <laughs> but you know what I, you know what I did like about this? gets brought up occasionally when they talk about just one of the guys is how teenage sexuality is never punished like the loose girl always has to get punished right Mm -hmm. but but not here like Sherilyn Flynn goes over with creepy buddy and the movie basically ends with them in bed yeah yeah no and I don't think like she like slut shames herself but like nobody does. But no yeah. one really does, you know. Even when she's saying that, no one is like, "Yeah, what the like, hell," you know. That doesn't happen. So that, that's a really good point about this film too. It, in that respect, it's definitely. I definitely feel like it's ahead of its time. And do you know what? I wanted. I want to bring up the ending because the first time I watched it, I'm like, "What? What is this shit?" <laughs> and then the second time I watched it, I'm like, "Oh, I guess you can thread the needle to not make it so horrible." But basically, the movie ends with uh, God, his name Rick, Rick forgiving Terry for lying to him, and then he comes and meets her outside her like new fancy like newspaper job, and they're like, okay, we're gonna date now, and he's like, but I have to drive your car, and then which would have been a really shitty way to end the movie, but then Buddy is there, I think Buddy's in the car with her, but then he gets out to go ride on the back of like this biker woman's motorcycle, and that's how the movie ends. Yeah, and I was think I was thinking the same things as you. I'm like, oh, this I get it. You know, this is like Reagan era man having to like show he's like the the buck in the woods, and he's like, we had this whole movie, but I gotta drive. Like that proves I'm not gay, almost like because I, you know, yeah. Like, but yeah, then they do that little thing on on the bike, and I'm like, oh, okay, so that, that 
And I would have to guess with at least the narrative we're building on this podcast episode, that was probably another director choice. Like, if I got to end the script like this, let me throw this little thing in to be like, yeah, you know, like, I I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. And then also there's there's a real I mean, let's not forget that like two minutes earlier, we just ended with Buddy in bed and we never see Terry have sex. We never see Rick have sex or even that it's implied. So basically the message is if you want to get laid, just be cool, man. Like, don't get so hung up on all this shit. Which she even says to him kind of right like a Terry to her brother. She's like, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know, like, yeah, stop being a creeper about it. <laughs> right but it's also like rick is going by these gender norms and it's clear that he's gonna he's not necessarily having sex but buddy is and buddy doesn't care about these gender yeah (laughs) if you're reading into it it could just be like a random like coked out way to end an 80s movie too (laughs) which is how i took it the first time and i was like what is the shit but I think that there's breadcrumbs there throughout the movie that you have to, when you want to get angry about like it sort of reverting back to bullshit, like there are breadcrumbs here that make you think that there's more to it than meets the, the eye. Yeah, 100%. Um, any other scenes, though, since we talked about the ending already, anything in the middle that spoke to you? Or, I mean, we, we've talked about a lot, so, you know, anything in your notes or oh, whatever. Yes, we got to talk about how they finally stand up to Billy Zapka in the cafeteria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a weird way to do it. It basically, he plays himself. You know what I mean? Like, usually in those movies, it's like they have the big, like, bully fight and he's vanquished. But he's just a fascinating bully to me because he makes fun of Terry for, quote-unquote, being a tulip. But he has a very, um, like, homosocial relationship with his boys like they're always touching each other like feeding each other (laughs) like walking super close with each other those guys always have his back so i it's just it's really interesting to me that the tides start to turn for him because rick basically stands up in the cafeteria after he's being like after billy zap because being a dick again and like calls attention to it and then everybody in mass because Billy Zabka's thing is, like, he likes to, like, bench press lunch tables. Don't ask me why. <laughs> so then everybody, like, flips the lunch table shit onto him. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's, like, I know that is technically a form of violence, but it's not the bro yeah. violence we're used to seeing in these films. Like, that hyper, like, over-masculine energy that has to be, like, you know, it has to come down to a fight. I know in the end there's, like, a little bit of a fight in the water and stuff, but, like, that was... That was such, like, an awesome, awesome, like, moment. This movie is filled with these kind of, like, times where you're just like, yes, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it, they, it's, it's it's such a, like, a generic sort of, like, um, what's the word? Like, it belongs in that category, like, by the numbers. I'm forgetting the word. But basically, like, you walk into it and you think you know exactly how it's going to turn out because it's, you know, by the book. But you watch it, and every it zigs when it should zag. Sometimes, really, it does it enough to keep you on your toes, was like still hitting all the familiar beats of the story. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Let's. It's fascinating. Let's see what else did I have in my notes that I wanted to mention. Oh, I, I thought it was okay. weird that um, what's her name? I keep forgetting this character's name. The one who ends up with Buddy. 
Sandy. Sand, Sherilyn Flynn. Yes. But she's Sandy <laughs> in the film. Sandy. <laughs> that, like, so she develops a crush, I suppose, on Terry, and she brings over fish. Like, like pet fish. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting move. <laughs> that's, that's, she's, she's her own little weirdo. Like, let's. <laughs> Let's not forget that she cons Terry into doing a double date with Rick and then brings a 12-year-old. Oh, yeah. That, and that, honestly, that cave scene was great, though. Like, it just... <laughs> yeah, she's going for it and, like, trying to basically to give him a hand job. Then she pulls out his, like... Is it a sock or is it a bowling pin at that point? <laughs> I think it was a sock there. But the thing is that she's so cool about it. She's like, oh, so you don't have a big penis. That's cool. Yeah. Like, Sandy's like, Sandy's somebody you could hang with basically at any age and she would just be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, Sandy was one of my favorite characters in this film. So, like, I, I <laughs> she's just, like, she's just fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, Sandy just takes it as, like, it comes. And, like, Sandy got kind of hosed by Terry turning out to be a woman. And then she's like, okay, well, Buddy's there. Keep it in the family. <laughs> I respect her. I thought it was gross that Buddy named his penis Spike. Um. It, Buddy's just gross. <laughs> There's nothing about Buddy that's not gross. But, but you know, the, like, I think the actor who played him was 16 at the time. That's interesting. And I was shocked by how ripped that kid was. Okay, I, like, I didn't want to say that to be creepy, but I was like, whoa. <laughs> Like, right? when he took his shirt off, you we were like, he was jacked. He was like, did this, like, kid just... Go? And that's why I looked up his age at that time, too. I'm like, oh, maybe he's, like, an older guy who, like, looks young. And, like, he, he was ripped. He was, like, cut. Like... <laughs> Dude, and, like, it's funny you mention that because literally everyone else is basically 30 playing 17, <laughs> except for that kid. That was the only age-appropriate casting choice they made. And, and there's no, it's no surprise why he, like doesn't wear sleeves and has his shirt open the entire time (laughs) this kid is ripped beyond ripped like he's ripped by 2019 standards and 2019 standards are like unattainable like 1985 standards like that kid was like in a league of his own that only hulk Hogan and schwarzenegger were in (laughs) it's true yeah and when i saw his age like you said whoa <laughs> yeah he is like joyce heiser was 27 when this movie Jesus. was filmed like they were all old i think the girl who played debbie was 30 wow the the popular girl in high school and i know that her friend denise was like 27 wow yeah and usually they stick like if they cast one main person, they'll stick with people around the same age just to make it look that way. The guy, I mean, the college guy, just so he looked older. I don't know how old he was, but he looked like like forty. Like 40. you know, yeah, yeah, he really did. <laughs> 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 On paper, this movie doesn't make sense, but they really did manage in an interesting and entertaining way. <laughs> Oh, there was a Wild Wild Country reference I thought was that was interesting. Wild Wild Country is that um, Netflix documentary about that cult in Oregon. Oh, yeah. And then he says, he's like, what did you, uh, he's like, oh, she joined that cult in Oregon you've been seeing in the news. So, and yeah, yeah, yeah. If that documentary never came out, that joke would have just gone over my head, you know? Well, I mean, I, I'm from Alaska, so we had a lot of cults up there. So I just assumed it was like one of those things. <laughs> gotcha. Like, <laughs> cult. Cult of the Goat, perhaps. Um, oh, no. There's a whole... Uh, I won't get into it, but it, there, it, there's a lot. 
Good to know. If I want to join a cult, <laughs> I won't have to go to Oregon. Cool. Just go up to Alaska. <laughs> so I this is going to be a really weird deep cut, but I did look it up. I think the alien guys were like Nikes a lot, right? Oh, you're right. And that's like a cult thing, too. It's the it's the Heaven's Gate yeah. people. Like in 11 years from now, they would all commit mass suicide wearing Nikes. Oh, so, shit. Like, yeah, I was thinking yeah. of the time wise. So those guys probably. Ooh. That's dark. <laughs> well, I, I did, like, maybe they inspired Heaven's Gate. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Wow, this is... There, you know, again, even in the silly <laughs> comedy stuff, there are a lot of layers in this. So many layers. <laughs> so, you know, but you, here's what I noticed, which is interesting, because I think Pretty in Pink came out the same year, is that they didn't try to do anything with computers. Like, Terry typed everything, even though she was a well-to-do teenager, on, a like, a typewriter. And, and yeah, and her desk is so like adult, like, right? <laughs> but like at the time that this was made, computers were such a novelty that they were starting to put them in these teen movies. Yeah, and sometimes completely misunderstanding them. But yes, <laughs> but they didn't even bother with this one. Like they didn't even bother to like it's it's such a just every time you start to peel back these layers and think about like the choices they made with this movie. It doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, we're trying to make sense of it. And again, this movie does have a lot of heart, but sometimes you're like impressed and sometimes you're confused. <laughs> and a lot of the times it happens at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, we're, we're talking about this because we're talking about it, because we're on this podcast. When you watch this, yeah, you think these things, but it does, like you say, have this great rewatchability. I don't know what it is about it, truly, and I don't know why it's not more of a go-to for me, because I love this type of stuff. But I literally just watched it twice in 48 hours, and I didn't get bored. Crazy, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I think I could watch it again right now. I'm kind of thinking of watching it again <laughs> right now. That's kind of all the notes I have, and... There, you know, there, there's things here or there, but we kind of touched on every scene, more or less. Was there any other scenes you wanted to talk about or any other things in your notes? Um, you know, the one thing that is sort of baffling in this entire movie is that the whole reason she's going undercover as a guy is to write a story. But that whole plot point is really treated as an afterthought until the very end when she's like, shit, I got to write something. And she sits down to basically write about her ruse to poor Rick. And somehow she wins the, <laughs> like, the competition. But I don't understand how she won because it seems like a teacher had to submit it. And at that point, like, what school was she going to? <laughs> yeah, because the one school, right, like, they're done with the assignment. But this teacher at her new school assigns the article with like a week left of school, which is interesting. Yeah. And you're right. She gets this thing. I thought the twist was going to be like she she becomes like a fiction writer or something or like a different, you know, because it didn't really seem like newspaper article worthy. Like, I'm sure it was good, but. Yeah, that's 100%. Like, and who would be like, wow, that was really moving stuff. You taught me a lot about life. Like her creepy journalism <laughs> professor said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was that was like, I get it why they needed it. It was like a prompt for her to do what she was doing. But you lose that fast. I guess the thing about this movie is, is when you discuss the scene out of context, any scene in this movie, just pick any damn scene out of context, out of the entire movie, None of it makes no. sense, and it falls apart a lot. So then you have to walk yourself back and like fit it into the movie. You're like, oh no, of course, of course they made that decision. <laughs> 
I will say that I think she looks better with short hair than with long hair. Oh, I was going to say that, too. Like, it, it, that's definitely true. Though, I don't know if you read that, like, the long hair is actually a wig. Um, so maybe that's why. But, no, she, she looks great with short hair. Totally. And I, I do agree that it was very Shades of Ralph Macchio. <laughs> she looked like the Karate Kid. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And they, again, they reference the Karate Kid. We have a character. Oh, oh, sorry. We have an actor from the Karate Kid. It's Yeah. Does this movie exist in a world where Karate Kid... Yeah, because like the, the dude from the Cobra Kai would have had to have been played by someone different or... When, right? when they said, oh, you know, she looks like a cross between Elvis Costello and the Karate Kid, someone else would have been like, yeah, like that bully in our school who looks exactly like the bully in the Karate Kid. It's, I will just say this on the bully. Like, I, I'm a girl, so obviously our bullying was, like, more psychological at the time. But, like, I don't remember my high school having somebody like that. No. Like, that shit didn't fly 20 years ago. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know we like bullying is a big deal, and there's like cyber bullies and all those things. But the traditional bully, like this guy, yeah, it, it's more um, it's more his I don't, I don't know about his creation, but it's more when we picture it, we picture him, and that doesn't so much exist in real life. But you know, good for good for um, what's his name, William Zabka or Bill Zabka, good for him because, like I said, or like we said, he, I... he's the bully. I really respect you for calling him Bill and William. Like he's a grown-up, legitimate actor, and I'm just like calling him Billy, like he's still fourteen. So, <laughs> so that's what he's credited as in uh, the Cobra Kai show, William. So, but he went by Billy, you like right for most of the '80s. Yeah, no, right? he must have. But I think he probably changed it. Probably like if I'm going to do this, I'm an adult now or something. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he goes by Billy still. I'm sure people call him. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know him. I just. So. <laughs> I respect your commitment towards the respect you're giving him. Let's just put it that way. It's like Charlie Sheen went by Charles for like two movies. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. And I always forget that what they are. And I asked about it on Twitter when my friend even did a screenshot. But I forget. But for like in 1999, he was no longer Charlie Sheen. He was Charlie. What a loser. <laughs> right? That's a loser. Listen, Charlie Sheen is no Billy Zabka. That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, oh, the other note. Uh, if we didn't mention it, Joyce Heiser, I guess, was Bruce Springsteen's girlfriend, which, whatever. But th- th- they put, like, the Springsteen posters, and there's a lot of, like, allusions yeah. to Springsteen in this, which I don't, I think that's kind of weird. Like, she. Yes! Like, don't define her by the person she happens to be dating and, like, put Easter eggs in the film over it. Like, I, I don't get it. I think that Joyce Heiser has honestly been given a raw deal by the way she was treated. I really do. Like, that, the fact that. And she's she's touched on this a little bit that when she agreed to do the topless scene at the end of just one of the guys, like home VHS was barely a thing. Nobody could have predicted that we'd have the internet and streaming and that her breasts would be on every creepy, like Mr. Nudity site <laughs> and, like on the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I really feel like it did her a disservice. Like I think that she I think you're right. I think she was defined by who she was dating. I mean, I was only one years old when the came out but i imagine it was one of those things that went hand in hand everybody knew who she was dating everybody knew that aspect of her life she showed her breasts which honestly i do agree really added to the narrative of this movie and now it's like that's all we talk about like in 2019 joyce heiser dated bruce springsteen and you saw her boobs in just one of the guys it yeah i mean that's the definition of a raw deal honestly (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Like she was great in this. She like, was. Somebody else really could have made this like just like a hokey slapstick bullshit movie. And she really sold this. So I, I just had a really weird thing happen in my brain when you said that. I was going to say see Thomas Howell, like like as if like a dictionary definition, like to see see Thomas Howell. And I'm like, how do I say yeah. see see Thomas Howell? But and then it became CC whatever. But yes, yeah, C Thomas Howell in Soul Man kind of plays yeah, it like that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really glad that we keep bringing up Soul Man <laughs> and C Thomas Howell because we should honestly never forgive him for that bullshit, like ever. Like any sort of goodwill that guy had should be out the window for that racist piece of trash. <laughs> oh, again, I'm glad that's a college movie because I don't know. I mean, I, I'd want to see it again to talk about it, but yeah. <laughs> I, it was always on Comedy Central in the '90s. So I watched it then, and I just, yeah, it, it has to be worse than we remember. It has to be. It has to be. <laughs> and Ray Dong Chong is in that, and I love her in Commando, so very confusing. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so if there's nothing else on Just One of the Guys, just, um, I didn't mention, but it's 45% by the critics on your beloved Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Sixty-five percent by the audience. Um, we changed things up on high school slumber party since the last time you've been here because I realized I'm an idiot and this is a high school theme thing and we shouldn't rank things from one to five. We should give them letter grades like it like school. <gasps> that makes that's cute. <laughs> so you know, A plus to F. What Ooh. would you grade? Just one of the guys. That's a B plus movie for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I I, I gave it a B. Close enough to be plus, and because I really do think it's it's worth watching. If you haven't seen it, definitely see it. And it's it doesn't feel as dated as it should. I'll put it that way. And, and honestly, it's kind of sad yeah. that it doesn't. Because it really should feel dated. That's like true. we really shouldn't have to worry about women being treated differently than in 2019. But here we are. <laughs> That's a really, really, really good point. <laughs> Isn't it sad? <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Just One of the Guys? Yes, Billy Zabko is robbed. He deserved to be in more 80s movies. I don't want to leave it on a bummer town like gender note, so let's <laughs> let's end it with appreciation for William Bill Billy Zabka. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh, and so every week we, d- we decide what sleeping bag we'd like to bring to the slumber party. So uh, please, Kate, pick a just one of the guys-themed sleeping bag that you'd bring to the slumber party this week. Well, I mean, obviously, if I were Buddy, I'd bring like a weird Playboy centerfold <laughs> um, sleeping bag, but I'm not a creep. So, gosh. Oh, James Brown sleeping bag. There you go. Ah, that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> it took me. I panicked for a second there. I'm like, oh, God. Do I have to stay with my porno sleeping bag? <laughs> I'm going to pick a tuxedo looking sleeping bag because I thought Terry looked great in that tuxedo. I, I like that. And then you can unzip yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get out in the morning. Right? <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, Kate, uh, we mentioned it a ton, but where can people follow you and find your stuff if, if they enjoyed what they got from you today on Just One of the Guys? Well, if you see me on the street, please don't follow me. Let's keep this all online. We're talking to you. Let's We're talking to you, Jeff Franklin. Yeah, Jeff, leave me alone. I told you no. Um, 
Uh, you can find me at Pajiba or you can come engage with me on Twitter. My handle is at Hudson Kate and I'm never getting rid of it. And I bet you anything Kate Hudson's pissed off. About that. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Well, th- thank you so much for stopping by, Kate. I'd love to have you again. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This is great. Oh, it's so much fun having Kate Hudson on. Definitely, definitely, definitely want to have her back. But I mean, big thank you for today's effort on Just One of the Guys. Really, really appreciate her hopping on and having the enthusiasm to talk about such a an interesting film, a fun film, that's for sure. Definitely check it out if you haven't, because it's it's a film that'll surprise you. Is it great? No. But it's, as you heard from us, it's fun and it's more topical than you would imagine. Next week, next week, I haven't seen the film yet, and it's going to be an interesting one, because it's one I've wanted to do for a while, but, well, it's a movie about skateboarders who get caught, I believe, in some kind of international relations incident. The film is Gleaming the Cube. Christian Slater of Tucker and Heathers stars with Stephen Bauer from FIFA Parts and Richard Hurd of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in Gleaming the Cube. Brian Kelly didn't care for the way adults ran things. Adults are predictable. They're living under this illusion that life as we know it is going to continue forever. And he didn't care for the direction the world was heading. I don't know what's worse, you know? Being blown up in a nuclear war or having a 7-Eleven on every corner. In fact, there were only two things that Brian did care for. His skateboard and his brother. Trump, what? You gotta be plus in countenance. Then one day, his brother died. This was an accident. And Brian's skateboard became his weapon in a deadly game of international smuggling, murder, and revenge. No one knows anything except a kid on a skateboard. My brother did not listen to you. You're the one who's not listening. When getting even means risking it all, gleaming the cube. That's going to be a fun and interesting one. And my guests are two returning guests, though I don't think they've been on together. Christopher Carroll, you know he was on our Mighty Ducks episode and our Airborne episode, and Dan Ferrara, who's been on a bunch of episodes, most recently Can't Hardly Wait. Can't wait to talk to those guys about Gleaming the Cube. (laughs) A couple other news and notes. I will be, along with the Booty Films man himself, Kyle Reinfried, guests on one of the more popular, and certainly certainly one of my favorite podcasts on the Cage Club Podcast Network, Too Fast, Too Forever. That's the podcast where they talk about the Fast and Furious films literally forever. And Kyle and I are going to be talking about maybe my favorite Fast and Furious film, Fast Five. It's a lot of fun. I think that comes out this Tuesday, either this Tuesday or next Tuesday. I gotta check the calendar. But that's coming out soon. You definitely want to check that out at cageclub.me or wherever you get your podcasts, including where you're listening to this podcast right now. So, like I said in the opening, tell a friend, 
spread the love of High School Slumber Party, but also follow us on social media. I love your feedback. I really, really appreciate it. Drop me a line. Slide into my DMs. I'm on Twitter at High School Slumber Party. I'm on Facebook, High School Slumber Party. I'm on Instagram, High School Slumber Party. And of course, you can also email me at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. So let's see, now that we have homework out of the way, I'll leave you with another song from the soundtrack to Just One of the Guys. This one is called Girls Got Something Boys Ain't Got by Midnight Star. Thank you so much for supporting the show and stopping by. It means the world to me. I know I have you stuck in summer school, but I hope you're enjoying your summer. Or, I guess, if you're on the Southern Hemisphere. I know we have some Southern Hemisphere friends. I hope you're enjoying your winter. (laughs) Anywho, girls got something boys ain't got. Midnight Star. Later, dudes.